I'm Mark Gagan, and you're listening to the Voice of Insurance podcast in association with Advantage Go, enabling an enterprise view of exposure. Today's guest is someone highly thought of in the London market and whose skills are in high demand. But three years ago, he set out to start his own business and reshape the MGA model in a highly radical way that seeks to align the agent as closely to the carriers backing it as possible. Many businesses say they're going to break the mould, but what Talbir Baines is trying to achieve at Volante has never been done before. He and I had been introduced and briefly shaken hands a couple of times over the years, but I'd never interviewed him in depth. I'm very glad that I did. Talbir is as smart and visionary as you would expect, but I had no idea of the deepness of his conviction, the scale of his ambition, and the radical nature of the new type of MGA he is bringing to market. Listen on if you want to learn what the MGA of the future is going to look like. Enjoy the podcast. Before we get started, I'm here with Rick Lindsay, Chairman of Prime Holdings and the CEO of Claims Direct Access CDA, who've kindly supported this podcast. Rick, thanks so much for your support. Why don't you briefly tell us about the Prime Group and CDA and what they could do for our listeners? Sure. We're excited to announce that CDA is going to be marketing its claim service over in London. Prime Insurance Company has done business with Lloyd Syndicate since 1995 as a cover holder and as the TPA. So we're looking to grow the TPA business. CDA has a proven track record in all 50 states, as evidenced by Prime Insurance Company's own uh, loss ratio and success in underwriting and managing claims nationwide. So we're excited to bring that to our Lloyd's partners and offer them more flexibility by issuing prime paper when necessary and letting Lloyd's fall in behind us or sharing risk and managing claims, although we'll do it a la carte and the claim service is certainly something that I think is valuable. I believe that claims is the key to success in our business. That's really the only thing we do that adds value. Obviously, you can be a good underwriter, and if the claims falls apart, the underwriting is a waste of time. If you're a good underwriter, you need to balance the scale with good claims. Well, that's great, Rick. And just to be clear, CDA handles all of Prime's claims. Correct. Well, thank you so much for that. Thanks for your support, and we'll get on with the podcast. Talbir, thank you so much for giving me some time. Volante's been going for a few years now. But I don't think everybody understands exactly what your business model is. So why don't you just give us an overview of Volantis' business model, its current size and scale, and then what your vision is for that business. Thank you, Mark, and, and delighted to, to have the time with you today. So thank you for um, making this time. And yes, Volante, we started the journey three years ago, October 2017, and under the blessing of Nafila, who we, we proudly received the sponsorship from, to start the build of a business which would truly revolutionize the MGA model. And that really was the plan. And we look at where we are today. We have a business which is international. It has multiple underwriting teams working in that group. It is a group culture. It is a common ethos, one set of principles, where fundamentally this is a company that acts and behaves and conducts itself as a division of its carrier panel. And, and that was so important to me and the business strategy that we've got to put the bottom line of the carriers at the center of our business plan. Because only then will we truly be a partnership and a working division of those carriers. So today we've got 18 underwriting teams across a PNC business with reinsurance and un- insurance, direct insurance underwriting teams across London, across the US, Canada, Europe. 
And if you look at the headline classes, they are your typical PNC headline classes, but beneath that headline, there's a very clear distinction of a niche or specialist sector of that market, which our business is serving. And it's aimed at being differentiated. We are here to bring our carriers a different distribution, but with an underwriting strength that is as good as their in-house underwriting. That's how we strive to be, and that's the model we've built. I think we've definitely gone at it very fast and furious with a lot of pace, with a lot of energy, to land with 18 underwriting teams in the space of three years across an international arena. I think we've been very blessed with the talent, the underwriting talent that has joined us, and the sponsorship of our carrier panel, which is 40% AA rated and global carriers who have an established track record of underwriting profit. So we aim to mirror their success and governance and underwriting ethos. And most of our people in the Volante company have grown up in those institutions anyway. What sort of scale are you at now and what sort of scale are you targeting for next year? Scale is an interesting question. So before I answer the quantum of that, Scale is important as far as critical mass is concerned to give some insulation to volatility in the underwriting result. We are in the risk business, so undoubtedly scale is, is important, the law of large numbers. But we started our plan slower than we'd have liked, but that was okay. It takes longer than anyone thinks to harness all the frameworks around an underwriting platform. But we've caught up on that plan, on that original investor plan to Nafila very well in the last 18 months. And we expect to finish this year close to $200 million of gross return premium. And looking ahead over the next two to three years, we would anticipate being half a billion dollars of gross return premium across our business by the end of 2022, 2023. How much of that is your current 18 teams like for like growing organically? And how much of that is adding new teams, new cells? So the business plan is predicated on the teams we have today. We don't necessarily plan for future teams in that. Yes, of course, if there's a clear proposition that makes good sense, of course, we'll entertain it and we'll bring it on. But uh, the important thing for us is we're quite happy if we don't reach those top line targets. And to be fair, in the investor plan to date, we haven't met the target 100% on the top line. But the projections on the bottom line are far exceeding those that we set out in that plan in terms of the combined operating ratio, the, the core, which is our first and foremost target. And we're exceeding that in our own projections, actuarial projections, by some 40-50%, which is fabulous. We're happy with that. And we're blessed to have an investor who's not pushing that growth target with us either. You cannot build a, the right underwriting business if you are hamstrung by growth targets, which are above and beyond those that we can possibly achieve with good underwriting ethos in, in this market, even though this market is in a great place. And is it correct to say that 100% of your remuneration is profit-based and you don't take anything just for expenses? It's 100% profit commission dependent. And what's critical in that summary is that that profit commission is payable at the end of the long-term period. It's not an annual basis. So we do not collect any profit commission until the binder term has come to a close. And those binder terms in Volante are, are five years typically. So when I brought the Volante proposition to the market, it was about changing the model and getting back to basics. And I sat there and, and felt, how can I possibly ask for profit commission payments on business, which is a mix of short tail, medium tail, long tail, where the result isn't final yet. And whilst I may have 
delivered great underwriting outcomes in my past life. I've got to do that again with a new carrier panel. I've got to earn my spurs. And we as a business need to earn our spurs. And so we were very comfortable on a long-term profit commission basis without any upfront payments, no prepaid commissions. The only commissions we get are the fixed commissions on slip. And we gave two very clear aspects to that, that they will be set at a break-even level. So there's no margin in those fixed commissions, zero margin. So our EBITDA as an MGA PL is zero without PC. I was thinking you, otherwise your model might be terrible for cash flow. I think it's bad enough starting a business normally. but So you do get some commission based at break-even. At least you can pay your salaries and things after you've ramped up and stuff. We basically pay to keep the lights on. There's another twist to it, which we felt, you know, in the spirit of alignment, it's fine to start your binder duration with a fixed commission of, say, 10%. But what if your operating costs are running less than that and you're managing to run at 7%? Well, then you're making a margin. And that's not what the commitment was, right? So the commitment from us was at operating costs. So we have, through the time period with our carrier panel, where our operating costs has converged to a lower basis than what was set out in the binding authority agreement, we have lowered that commission proactively. No one's asked us to. We've gone back and said, hang on a second, we're making some margin here, and that's not what we want to do. So we're reducing the commission to a lower level. And to explain why we're so extremist about that principle is the moment underwriters realize there's margin without risk, then underwriters may take on risk, which they shouldn't do otherwise, which they would not do otherwise. It's kind of a comparison between gross and netline underwriters in the market. Where there's a good reinsurance program, do underwriters take a decision which they may not take if the entire result was the net to them? So we work on that basis. We have no reinsurance in our model as an MGA. We have no profit commission protectors or any other fancy instruments in our business. And I'm very passionate and very zero tolerance around margin on fixed commissions because the moment that margin comes into guaranteed revenue, subconsciously the eye will come off the ball. Does that not reduce your incentive to keep your expenses down though? Because if you know you have to give it to your paper providers. The incentive is for us, our, our business Profit is predicated on profit commission, on writing profit. To reduce the cost base is the first thing in our control to maximizing, optimizing underwriting profit. So if we can reduce our commissions, we can do that if we can reduce our expense base. And externally, we can fight brokers to reduce broker commissions, which we do a lot of in a sensible way. But the costs are very much in our control. The loss position is to an extent control for attritional losses, but for large and cat. That's just fortune and absolutely underwriting the right risk in the first place, but then it's down to fortune from that point onwards. So we believe don't push down the expense base to the point you lose value. If you look at our business, we've hired some market-leading executives and support staff into the business. Because we believe the right people will generate more value, and if it costs 1% out of the premium to hire a great claims director, well, they'll probably add a value which will take two or three points of the loss ratio through claims management. So we believe in the value equation, not just the cost equation. So we're not hesitant to spend and invest, but we do so with an eye on how do we reduce the total acquisition cost. And in Valance, the total acquisition cost across my group is 21 points or less. And that's a great place to be in a market which is usually talking figures almost double that. And we've worked so hard to manage our costs 
internally, our operating expense, but also externally with the broker commissions across binder intermediaries and original broker commissions, but also building a business which actually has a product and geography which lends itself to lower broker commissions. There are those businesses where broker commissions are typically low or fee-based. So we've got a composition a model is based on that sort of low starting point of acquisition cost and trying to maintain that as we build our business. Is it right to describe Volante as an incubator? How do the structure of those cells work in terms of equity? You know, what's the pitch to a really talented niche underwriting team that you've got your eye on, or perhaps they've got their eye on you? How does it work? I'm reluctant to call it an incubator. I'm here building a business which is for the long term with those underwriters and underwriting teams being a long-term proposition and hopefully for many decades to come. And so the pitch is always we're building a transformational underwriting business where we manage the cost division, where we manage to a sensible level technology taking over a lot of the manual processes and delivering a an outcome which is not predicated on human errors, for example. But we don't pretend to have technology which replaces the underwriter or has fancy algorithms. It's very simple technology because, in my experience, Mark, in the market, in this industry, it's the simple things we haven't done well. If you look at, certainly look at the MGA arena, it's let itself down on the fundamentals, operational servicing basic underwriting reporting of how you're running your portfolio and the transparency into that. So we're just focusing on the basics. And so our pitch to underwriters is, if you want to come and join us, you've got to be embracing technology. You've got to embrace building a new portfolio. We don't want you coming here and lifting and shifting your business from where you were, because that's just a race to the bottom of the hill for everybody. Build a new business and tell us how you're going to differentiate your proposition from most of the market out there because we don't want to be in a business where we're competing with the tens and hundreds of peers but half a dozen of them and that's more sustainable that's more scalable and that's where you can differentiate yourself with underwriting and actuarial prowess and skill so is it more come and join volante or is it more come and be mark gagan incorporated within volante is it more of a profit commission play rather than to say it's an equity play at some point this equity you'll build the value in this equity and sell it on at some point it's definitely an equity play but it's a group equity play it's not a cell level equity play it's a group level so we're building a business as a group our culture is one single culture defined as a group and as you would find in a qbe of this world it's one common culture one ethos and that's what we are building one culture one ethos and yes, there's an equity play, but what it does, the beauty of it is, and when I was setting this out on a piece of paper back in 2017, the question for me was, how do I get a group of people in a business aligned? And the alignment has to be the underwriting profit for the carriers. You don't start with the investor, you start with the carriers. You have to, because if we deliver the right result for the carriers, the investor result will take care of itself. And it's as simple as that. So start the MGA plan with, what are my carriers looking for? What is their COR target? What is their business strategy? What is their scale to achieve from us? And so I predicated the entire contractual framework within Volante around employment contracts and shareholding agreements to be predicated on COR. So the binding agreements, the shareholding agreements, the employment contracts are all geared and linked 
to be around combined operating ratio. And for me, it was if I can get every single person in Volante from sport through to underwriting and management constantly worried about the combined operating ratio result that we are achieving, that fear of failure around combined operating ratio, then everything will take care of itself. Everyone will be conducting their daily life with COR at the center of every decision process. And so on the employment contracts, it's salary only. There are no bonuses. There are no dividends for our people in Volante. That's an equity play that can come good at the end. And that's predicated on good underwriters and good management delivering an underwriting result over the long term. What are Volante's long-term ambitions? Is there an exit plan? Long-term ambition, Mark, is to keep doing what we're doing and enhancing the proposition. We set out on, on building a very, very different business. It stands unique in what it delivered to date and, and the basis on which we establish our relationships with our carriers. It stands unique. We look to continue that. We look to broaden that on scale, underwriting profit, and ultimately, I guess one day we, we will be the insurance company that defines a very unique underwriting proposition. So you're not rolling it up for sort of a big blowout in year six or year seven or year five? or No, that's not the ambition. Naturally, there will be points in which investors come in, new investors come in, there's capital being injected into a plan which has a strategy to keep building on the platform you set out. That, for me, is continuation of what we're doing today and with the people we're doing it with. So it's much more of something for the kids and grandkids rather than something for your retirement. Absolutely. I would hope to see Volante continue forever. We've had a bit of a shakeout. We could say that the growth of the MGA model inversely correlates with market conditions, uh, that the software it is, the more likely carriers are just looking for distribution wherever they can get it and keeping the top line going. But we've had a bit of a shakeout, as one would expect, as results really haven't been up to scratch. Do you think this is a vindication of your model, that you're going for something much more permanent or semi-permanent with multi-year? And, and how far do you think this shakeout's going to go, or is it nearly coming to an end? My view is, Mark, that the shakeout and, and shakeout has only just begun. You look at the causes of hard market from an industry perspective, and it is very much results-driven. Has the result been good enough over the market? Clearly not. And there are legacy challenges that have to be addressed, and that's driven market pricing levels substantially in lines of business such as DNO space. There's inevitably more to come. We've been in a, a market that's continuously declined since 2003, 2004, without any upturn. So I think my interpretation is, and it always has been since the Valance journey started, that a lot of these carriers will look at their delegated authorities and who they've given the pen to, and on what basis they've given that pen away, and start to revisit that basis. Because is it aligned? Is it transparent? Does it make sense long term? And therefore, the model that we set out with was, we'll bring you the alignment, we'll bring you the transparency, we'll actually conduct ourselves as part of your organisation to achieve that. And we are here as underwriters, underwriters, not distribution, we are underwriting. And we believe in the Volante model that our strength is underwriting, our strength is capital management, and making sure we optimise our portfolios for our carrier panel. So if we're not doing that, then I'd say there's something fundamentally wrong. And we go back to the basic contract of an MGA. You are an agent of the carrier. 
Therefore, you have to look, feel and behave in exactly the way they do. We can't escape ourselves or absolve ourselves of any of those responsibilities. Those responsibilities are vast from a compliance perspective, from a governance perspective. And therefore, the Volante model, if you look at our executive team, the support staff, it mirrors an insurance company. Because how can we not be doing what our insurers are doing? So our model and the shakeup in the industry, I think there's a long way to go. I think how many carriers are asking the question around margins on fixed commissions? Our carriers, if I was a CEO at a carrier, I'd be asking that question before I gave my pen away. Are you going to be able to make money out of your fixed commissions? Because the fixed commissions are guaranteed, they're risk-free. How can you have a risk-free equation when I haven't got that? So we've built that model in Volante where we're on a par with our carriers. We can't make money unless they do. Talbot, we've got this harder market. You're absolutely on the side of, of your paper providers, aligning with them. If you can do all of those things and you've got the capital management skill in your toolbox, would you consider sourcing some of your own capital? Absolutely, Mark. And <laughs> it was very interesting. Uh, I think it was 2019. I, I was sat there on a Sunday afternoon going through all the stresses of building Volante and, and enjoyable stresses, I must add. The TV was on and, and Netflix caught the corner of my eye and I thought to myself, I don't understand enough about Bitcoin. So I'm going to have a, have a switch off for a bit and watch this Bitcoin documentary. And I was fascinated during that hour or so watching that. The founders of Bitcoin talked about the ecosystem of banking and they mapped it all out. And their objective was for Bitcoin to address all of the deficiencies in the banking ecosystem. And it got me thinking, we've built Volante. Have we addressed all the deficiencies in the MGA carrier ecosystem? I sort of started writing that down and I felt, yeah, actually we've ticked every box, but two boxes we haven't ticked. One box is total alignment. Now our alignment is very strong. It's a five-year binding term, profit commissions at the end of it, zero profit for the MGA in that period until that profit commission has been achieved and, and collected. That's, total, that's, a, that's a bigger alignment than, than anyone in the market has brought. But it's only sharing in profit. It's not sharing in loss. So that's the missing part of the equation. And then secondly, the uncertainty. MGAs have a daily threat of losing capacity. And it, and it could be through no consequence of their actions. It can be through carrier redefining their strategy around a class of business or a geography. That threat persists and it can destabilize the MGA model. So I felt from that point onwards that we need to be thinking about very clearly an insurance balance sheet in the Volante group and taking risk for a minority share alongside our carrier panel. And I say minority share because the majority share of capacity coming from external capacity providers is the validation of our model. We can also call ourselves, yeah, we've got a great business here and it's going to be fantastic on the underwriting result. And the validation is when those large corporate global carriers and syndicates back you with their pen and say, yeah, I believe in your model too. And so we want that share of capacity to be majority to external capacity. But absolutely, I want to be sharing in profit or loss with my carriers and be an insurance company effectively alongside them. They're always minorities so that they don't feel that at some point where your priorities have switched to your own capital rather than theirs, or, or you suddenly become a competitor rather than a partner. Yes, yeah, so, but I think we definitely set out very clearly with our carriers that we make a commitment to them not to compete with them. And even if it's a jurisdiction where they're not backing us. So if I've got a carrier not backing me certain products and geography, but they're backing me elsewhere, 
I make a commitment to them that I won't fish in the same pond where they have a division, even though they're not backing us on that portfolio, because you can't take with one hand and bite with the other. So we have to be aligned. So we make that commitment around being with that carrier and not competing with them. But I think it fundamentally markets down to alignment. Whatever you're backing me on as a carrier panel, I'll share in the fortunes both ways. And in terms of the structure in which that capital might come in to Volantu, we've got things like the syndicate in a box at Lloyd's, again, low cost, very low acquisition costs and expense ratios targeted there. Could that be something that would work for you? Absolutely. I mean, I worked very closely with John Neal and the future of Lloyd's vision is a fascinating model and he will deliver that and that'll be a fantastic outcome for Lloyd's and the market. And the syndicate in a box concept is very exciting, but we're looking at all possible options in our quest to deliver a, a total alignment model. Um, so we are currently going through that process of evaluation. But the syndicate in the box has, has some very solid fundamentals around it in terms of total commission acquisition costs have to be less than 35%, I think. You start the business planning, you have to abide by that for the term of your tenor and, and plan. Those are great disciplines and great starting points. But we're looking at all options and watch this space. You've half answered this before, but you are very tech focused. But is it right to say that that tech focus is really back office rather than front office? That's totally correct. We have focused on deploying technological solutions to post-bind processes. Because if you look at the previous two decades of MGA experiences for carriers, that's where it's fallen down. The ability to provide accurate broadrow on time, accurate data, the ability to pay premiums and not have contra corrections happening across data and cash transactions and reporting. The ability to give your carrier a full and consistent insight across the year on performance, underwriting performance, that's where it's fallen down. So we focused our energies highly on that. We're now looking at the pre-buying processes and, and the digitization of distribution, underwriting, where that makes sense to do so. So we are definitely looking at that now. We have a project internally in motion because ultimately it's about how do we serve our clients better? Those clients are our brokers, the ultimate assureds. How do we get a framework where we ask the right questions, which are relevant to the underwriting of that risk? And we, we obtain those responses and use that market-wide information for our market, for our business in the Volante Group, to generate more sustainable pricing levels, where we're not turning around to our clients in two years and saying, oh, we're going to charge you 40% more because we've got it wrong, or the market got it wrong. How about we start off on the right basis? The price can't be X. The price has to be X plus 20% because the price of X doesn't allow for future large loss that can occur under the exposure on your policy. And too often, I think in this industry, we've left clients high and dry where they're struggling to find insurance because suddenly the price has doubled, tripled because we weren't predicating a sustainable price. We were predicating a best price. And those are two very different things. And so are you looking at things like these triage tools that can really improve your hit rate where you can take 100 submissions, it separates all the wheat from the chaff and the underwriter's got the best four or five to look at in order, that kind of thing? That's something we want to look at. There's a lot that's been happening that we kind of need to catch up with on the pre-bind innovation and genuinely take a look. But I think, again, we'll start with the basics. What are the basics of the underwriting process that haven't been done well? And that triage approach that you mentioned there is, is definitely one of them. 
you can lose yourself in very complex algorithmic solutions around underwriting and replacing the underwriter. But I think we've just got to be so careful about not trying to go too far ahead without getting the basics right. Let's just talk about the market at the moment. You're not just a London-based MGA. You've got access to business all over the world, and presumably you may have plans to open up new hubs in different parts of the world. So which classes and territories are most exciting you at the moment in terms of the opportunity and the ones that are providing the best underwriting conditions? It's an interesting point. When I look back at what we've built in Volante, the classes, the geographies, none of that was really by intention. We didn't set out to achieve class ABC and geography X, Y, Z. We predicated our build on the underwriting quality and, and the track record of the underwriting team. So we, we started with does this underwriter and, and team genuinely bring the right culture, the right track record on COR and the right proposition for the future. So we've ended up with a business which is a very diverse international underwriting business as a result. For me, any class, any geography is interesting so far as there's an opportunity there. And my starting point is to be ultra cautious because genuinely where the opportunities sit, where other capacity has retracted, and that's usually as a result of underperformance in that market sector. And so why do we think we can go and make money there where others haven't? That's the first question. And there has to be a very robust answer to that. And so we interrogate the opportunities very, very carefully in a very considered manner. We have to prove them to ourselves. We have to prove them to our carrier panel that might back us on those. So we start from a point of eye caution and it's not enough to look at fantastic rate increases and hard market conditions because that just may be a correction of what's gone on before and nothing more. It doesn't guarantee the right result for the future. And too often that outcome hasn't been established. For example, on DNO, we're seeing 150%, 200% rate increases. But is that enough? Does that actually address the legacy? Or are we still going to find ourselves 50% short in five years' time, 10 years' time? And this comes to fruition. And that's the beauty of our business. We don't ever know the answer, but we try to make the best estimation we can. And I think it's in that process of making that best estimation, caution has to prevail, but also the ability to make a decision. And we are in the risk business. As long as we do that with eyes wide open, with the analytics giving us the right messages, I think it's a fair risk to take on. Given your experience, long experience in the industry at larger carriers, what sort of expense advantage have you been able to build for yourself? There are different aspects to that expense equation, different variables in that. So broker commissions, for example, our broker commissions are probably 50% of a peer group. And that's predicated on... Perhaps 75% of that is predicated on the geographies and the products we have built our business on. And that makes sense. But we've also attacked the cost of original broker commissions, of binder intermediaries. Those are also half of our plan. And the plan started with what the market would typically see in these products and geographies for cost variables. And we've basically delivered about 50% of those plan values. And what about your own cost compared to what it would be at a carrier? our own cost as a percentage has obviously been disadvantaged by not meeting top line uh, to the to the degree we set out but we're very comfortable with that but we're now talking about single digit expense figures in the group so that's a great place to be in our, our mga commissions are, are averaging single digit figures so we're very pleased with that that's not easy to achieve and it'll be even harder to maintain 
But we are constantly looking at every time I look ahead to the quarter, I can foresee a reduction that I can go to my carriers with on the fixed conditions because our operating cost is continuously becoming a lower percentage. I want to ask you about who has inspired you personally most in your insurance career and why? I've had the, the blessing and the privilege of working with some great individuals at QBE, obviously John Neal, visionary leader, and that vision that John is outlining to the market is very clear, is very exciting. But that was no surprise to me because having worked closely with John, it was always a, a blessing. And to get that influence of visionary leadership was very clear from, from John. And then there are other people like Ash Bafia. When it comes to entrepreneurial deal-making, he's in a class of his own. And he's been a fantastic influence on me. And, and I would go as far as saying, would have I started this journey without his guidance and the learnings I took from him? Probably not. So he's been a fantastic influence in, in my career. And then Vicky Carter at Guy Carpenter, who I first started working with when I in 2016 in my previous role. And again, there's an individual who can make things happen, who understands the requirements of the commercial surroundings in which you work and to network all of the various points in the decision tree to the optimal effect. And again, taken great learnings from, from Carter. And then you look at people at a further distance and, and you look at people like Ajit Jain of Berkshire Hathaway and discipline that innovation around deal making and deal structuring at such a, a macro level is fascinating and and it inspires all of those individuals that i've just named have inspired me to think differently and to actually be brave enough to bring a model to the market which challenges the position of the mga and carrier relationship not just the mga but also the carriers i question and challenge carriers who have given their pen away without enough scrutiny and, and in intensity of that scrutiny on a regular consistent basis it's not good enough to just blame the mga were you looking at that result often enough and finding out what's in that portfolio that might hurt my business we're living on a model as, as i de define mark where we're completely at the mercy of our profit commission over the long term and some of that a lot of that will be good underwriting good risk management good governance good compliance some of that will be fortune. You know what? I'd rather get it wrong doing the right thing than be a winner for doing the wrong thing. We live a life where we're breaking out in a cold sweat every night thinking about combined operating ratio. So it's a model with fear, but I think that fear breeds discipline, alignment, innovation. Thank you so much, Toby. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation. I hope you'll come back to speak to us again in 2021 and give us an update. But all the best with your plans. Sounds very refreshing and, and very exciting. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for having me on the podcast today. And likewise, I look forward to 2021 and uh, bringing back some more um, stories. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, don't forget to subscribe or leave a like or a review or recommendation on whatever podcast platform you used to access this programme. These really help get the word out. Before we go, just a quick reminder that advertising slots are available here and in other places in the Voice of Insurance podcasts. Podcasting is the fastest growing medium and attracts a high quality audience of key decision makers. It's also an intimate medium where you, the listener, are right in the room with me and the interview subjects. Needless to say, that means it's a great way of getting your message out directly to an audience because you know you've got their full attention. It's also very cost effective. 
So get in touch with Mark at thevoiceofinsurance.com to find out how you could be speaking directly to the industry. The Voice of Insurance is produced by me, Mark Gagan, in association with Advantage Go, enabling underwriters to increase the speed and accuracy of decision-making. Original music was written by Anna Gagan and produced by Carlos Gagan. Check out more podcasts and written comment pieces at www.thevoiceofinsurance.com.